We're back with another edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We appreciate you listening or watching and hope you're staying healthy. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Hi, good, good afternoon. Um, <clears throat> a rainy afternoon where we are. Uh, congratulations, first of all, Alan, on the first of what should be a regular series of live online debates that took place this week. And we encourage our listeners to check it out if they haven't seen it yet at zoom-tank.com. Yeah, we had a little fun on Monday, and um, surprisingly, we pulled it off. And um, let's see, um, I think we put some information out there that should be at least thought-provoking to some folks. Absolutely. We're very happy to have joining us in this edition, Daniel Sperling. Dan is the founding director of the Institute of Transportation Studies at the University of California, Davis. You're an author, a whole lot more, Dan. Thanks so much for being with us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, Dan, it's great to have you. Well, and thank you so much. Talking about webinars, Dan, you, you took part in a, in a great one this week as well on the impact of uh, Yeah, right COVID after hours, it turned out. You know, you go from one to the next. I mean, that channels, it never stops. <laughs> and the focus, I guess, was on COVID-19 and the three revolutions that you've written about. Explain some of that to the audience a little bit to begin with. Well, I think the larger context is that we're seeing, you know, dramatic changes in the transportation, you know, through the COVID virus period here. And so we see transit in free fall. We have, you know, large reductions in vehicle use, large dramatic reductions in uh, flying and also ride hailing and scooters. And so the one thing we see going up is bicycle use. And I, I'm an avid bicyclist, so I'm happy about that. But, you know, the, the, you know, the big issue that's cutting through all of this is this idea of sharing. And that was the theme of the conversation. And I have to say, I'm hearing, you know, more and more, it's in the me it shows up in the media also now, is that does this mean, you know, we're seeing the, you know, the downfall of, of the sharing revolution, at least, you know, with respect to transportation, are people going to be reluctant, afraid to, ride transit, to use, uh, you know, Uber and Lyft, uh, where does, you know, how is this going to play out? And I think that's the big question. And some of the bike increase that you talked about uh, might be, too, that there are fewer cars on the road because it's been dangerous for, for cyclists for a long time now. Yeah, we're actually seeing cities closing down some of their streets to cars because there's less car use and there's more biking. And, and so that's actually one of those little, you know, from my point of view, from a sustainability perspective, one of those uh, silver linings, you know, maybe this is a time where people will, the policymakers and people will really double down on increasing infrastructure, you know, safe protected infrastructure for bikes. We'll think about ways of how to encourage these other more sustainable modes of travel. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. I was while I was running this morning, I was just thinking, you know, we have this Witherspoon Street in in Princeton. It really should be an auto-free street. And in fact, the restaurants, since we're going to have to be separated more in restaurants, maybe let's put the let's put some. We we don't have any restaurants outside really in Princeton and so on. And basically, use the street space as a as a way to basically expand the square footage of the restaurant to allow people to be more. Separated, and in fact, might even create a whole heck of a lot better environment. So there are all these sort of little things that we might be able to do, that you know, that we've given to to cars to just have free access to anything. That in fact, uh, the space could be much better utilized. Maybe at least we yeah. should think about it. Well, I think we should dig into what what you were referring to, Dan, about the the short term effects of what we're seeing, which we know about because we're seeing them, and then uh, the long-term long impact, which we have no clue, I suppose, what's going to happen. 
Yeah, you know, let me add a little more context. So, so I've become a policy wonk in recent years. You know, I serve on the California Air Resources Board, and we over we uh, uh, overlook all of the transportation policy related to greenhouse gases. And so I've been really uh, embedded in that in, in recent years. And one less, one thought that comes out of this for me is that the kind of changes we're talking about to create more sustainable transportation, and there's lots of good ideas I wanna talk about with Alan about this, is that um, we need sharing. Sharing has to be part of it. And, and these other modes have to be a, a central part of this future. And so I think the role of policy now is to look at the trends that are going in the right direction, you know, from a sustainability perspective and to accelerate and accentuate those like Alan was just talking about a moment ago. Uh, and, and at the same time to mitigate some of the what we'll call negative ones, again, from a sustainability perspective. So it really is this idea of sharing. I mean, pushing it all the way forward, you know, the ideas that Alan has been promoting as well as I, is that I really believe the major, by far the most important strategy for creating sustainable transportation in the future is combining automation with pooling, sharing, and electrification. And, you know, that's, I think we need to somehow get people focused on that idea because some of these trends are in the wrong direction. And the sharing, to me, the sharing is, is of course, central. And that's why I've always appreciated what, what you've been trying to do with the, with those three, three efforts and with sharing being the center. And it turns out that we don't need a heck of a lot of sharing. The sharing doesn't mean that you have to bring 400 people together in a, in a train or something like that. What we've ended up having with respect to our mobility is that, yeah, for a few places, there are opportunities to pack a lot of people together and so on and so forth. And we've done that. But for most of the other mobility that we consume, we end up consuming it in our own personal cars, one at a time. And if you only get to two, you got energy in hand. Just yeah. getting the two from one. That's just, nobody else is talking about how do you cut energy in half. All you need to do is get the two groups traveling together or two people. That doesn't mean my wife and I go on to dinner, okay? Because we go together anyway. But it means two couples going together. It means two people who would have taken two cars now get into one. That's what the two means. And there are just now in, in the way we mostly travel, you know, we say that nobody else wants to go when we want to go where we want to go. That's true unless you're only looking for one other person type of thing. Or, you know, sometimes it'll only be one, so you gotta need some twos, you need some threes, and you need some fours too to get to the average of two. But to me, it's not much sharing that you need to make a whole big difference. It's the mentality of sharing. And the most difficult thing of, of what we're going through today is this business of, 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 of now we, we think that we can't even get close together anymore. And how in hell are we going to even be able to sh share with two different types of people? And um, uh, that's the tough piece. The funny yeah. thing is, if I can just add something, people seem to be starved for contact. I mean, you see postings <laughs> online that, you know, neighborhoods are getting together for happy hours with everybody spread out around the block and things like that. So we're starved for that contact. But if it comes to the idea of getting in a car with another couple or, or taking some kind of ride sharing service, I don't know how we're going to convince people that that's a good idea going forward. You know, this is, I mean, we, this is a crucial period and, and, and there are some, you know, this pandemic really is troubling and the health effects are really serious. But the question is, I mean, the, the reality is this is going to go away. And so we don't have pandemics every year. You know, maybe this will change. I don't think so. But I mean, really, the last major pandemic was what? hundred years ago. 100 years ago, the yeah. Spanish flu. <laughs> right, yeah. and, and so, you know, we are concerned, but 
all these researchers are trying to do survey research. And I just saw one that came out today from Arizona State. And, you know, the survey say people are going to retain some of this behavior. I just don't know if that's true. Uh, I just think that, you know, in even in six months, a year, two years, are people really going to be reluctant to sit next to someone? I mean, after all, in airplanes, we're going to have to no matter what. Although I saw United now is blocking the middle seats on their on their yeah. flight. Yeah. That makes you yeah. one foot apart. Yeah. 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 You know, unfortunately, I agree with you 100%. This is no way to live. Yeah. This is no way to live. If, in fact, if this is what humanity is going to be, as I've been saying, you know, we better go to the next uh, humanity generation because, because in some sense, uh, you know, this is just, this is no way to live. Okay. And, you know, oh, you have cooties and I can't get near you. I mean, are you, I, we, we've got to, we've got to figure out a way to, to protect ourselves. Uh, we're risk takers. Life is not worth living without taking risks, really. I mean, if, if there are no risks ahead, why bother? I mean, you know, I mean, it's sort of the way I look at it. And I think, I think we are going to get back and we're going to, we're going to say this is, a, this is, this was, you mean I can't kiss anybody on the cheek anymore? I mean, are you really, we're not going to shake hands? I mean, you know, maybe, I, I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah, so we agree. So, you know, I think from a policy perspective, we need to stay focused, even redouble our commitment to, you know, shared transportation and yeah. and not give up and not you know say that these that that this is the end of sharing i mean this is the key to transportation and uh, you know i know uber and lyft they dropped their pooling uh, services early on you know because of concern but we've got to get beyond this and i mean for transit you know if you look at the air, airlines and buses and rail i mean that is what they do they put people close to to each other and we are yeah. going to you know maybe we'll fly a bit a little bit less but you know transit is a key part of our cities and it is uh, and and i think with reset, with respect to all the driverless vehicles sure we can make compartments in there we can we can take a a a pacific uh, or whatever and put four doors on and put you know plexiglass whatever and put you in your own little cubicle if if you really want to uh but i i don't know or we is that really we've we, we've always you know we've always thought the other person had as i said earlier cooties or something like that we didn't want but come on i i just um this, this one is a tough one this was a bad one this certainly affected certain segments of the population, certainly the elderly, us, you know, much worse than, than others. It seems as if, at least that's what the data tells us. But in a sense, uh, we, got, we got to get beyond it. It's just no way to live. Um, uh, otherwise, we need Darwin to come in here and get the 7 billion out of here and get a new 7 billion in here that could somehow put up with this stuff. But I don't think we can put up with this. Well, it's not just transportation, because everything you can think of, I mean, Broadway theaters, movie theaters, et cetera, they can't stay in business if they have can sell uh, every fourth seat. No, it, it doesn't work. We can't way. afford no. it. We can't we can't pay a living wage to an actor or actress unless a bunch of us are in the audience. Otherwise, I mean, otherwise, it is such an expensive commodity. And in some sense, you know, and I don't think we want to automate it. We don't want to just see replays of it. I mean, we'd like to see a live one. We, we want to see a live football game, I guess, or you, you name whatever sport. Dan? Well, you know, it, 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 okay, I'll just add one more to that. And then we could <laughs> say, okay, what are we going to do? But because, you know, you just, you're talking about it from an audience perspective, but then you look at all these service industries, you know, you look at hairdressers and nail salons and dentists. I mean, all of that involves a lot of personal, close personal contact. So, you know, we've just got, I mean, at, at least those of us that are optimistic by nature, 
um, and have some influence on you know, the debates and the discussions, we really need to make sure that we don't allow this discourse that of isolation going to you know, continue forever. Uh, it's, you know, we need to come up with good policies, good strategies, and, <clears throat> you know, some of the ideas, Alan, you know, you, you've been pushing on how do we get this shared, these uh, automated shared vehicles out there, you know, Waymo, I actually took a ride on the Waymo uh, vehicles out there in Arizona. You did, they let you on, how'd you do that? I, I've been, I've been wanting to go out there and say, knock on the door, can I get in, you know, but, uh, go ahead. <laughs> so this was just before the, just before the virus yeah. uh, hit. And I did it through it with a friend because yeah. there's, a, they have two categories of riders, right. some that can allow others to go with them and other, some that don't. So I found one, a friend, a former student that does. And, you know, I think they still have a ways to go, frankly. Did, 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 they, did they have an attendant on board or not? In mine, they did, but we saw another one that didn't. So you, did, you, know, you the, did see one. I mean, there's there, there's yeah. someone that actually I can trust okay. actually saw one. I, I'm, you may be the first okay. person that I go ahead go. <laughs> but I'll tell you the details of what yeah. what they do. Yeah. So I, I've been reading your you know yeah. newsletter. I don't I don't. <laughs> so what they do is for the the fully driverless ones. Yeah. They have another car or two right behind it. Oh, they do have a car behind it. Yeah, and so they're so they're not doing it from a remote center. They're they're not no. they're not they're not relying on that, huh? Not not yet. Yeah. No. Well, look, this is this is part of the, the this is part of being sure that the darn thing works, you know. And and yeah. I and I'll applaud them for doing that because yeah. the last thing we want is a screw up at this point until we get it nailed. And of course, one of the things that I, I tried to point out on Monday in the discussion that we had, this, this virus is actually good for all this because it's put a lot of the pressure off getting it out there too soon and allowing them to go in there and clean up the crap if they have. I mean, whenever one writes code, it evolves and one would like to be able to get a, a new version out there, but one is patching up the old one and one can't take a deep breath to say, hey, let's clean the whole darn thing up. All this is giving an opportunity for them to clean up their code. And and all the people that are, you know, out there writing the code, I mean, they're probably like pigs in poop, you know. <laughs> this is the greatest thing that ever happened to them because, you know, they can just sit there and write code 24-7 or stuff. So, or say, what, I don't have a deadline? Bit, whatever, <laughs> you know. But, but this is, to me, I think this is this is in some sense really good to allow them to get to the point in which this stuff is actually good enough so that they can take the risk of putting it out there and the value is much greater than the risk that they're taking. It'll, nothing's ever perfect except for you, Dan, but, and, and, and of course, Fred, but you know, I, I mean, you get where I'm going with that, right? Yeah, you know, and I think Waymo is doing it right there. I mean, yeah. if you go out to where they're operating, it's much lower risk of things going bad. You know, there's hardly any bicyclists. Uh, there's very few pedestrians. We know that there are places where you can't do this, okay? <laughs> it's not where you want to start, in my view. You want to start where you can do it. And then you want to keep improving it into bigger and bigger areas where you can do and let the darn thing grow out. You know, as I keep repeating, I always love to look at the elevator as the analogy here. You know, if we had operators in elevators, we would not have very many tall buildings. Certainly nobody would live in them. Okay, because you can't afford to have an operator 24 seven in an elevator. Okay, but you might need to go out and get a quart of milk in the middle of the night. So who would live in something that you had to, you know, go up and down 20 flights of stairs to go get your quart of milk in the middle of the night? So the fact that those elevators are automated and available mobility machines just waiting to move you up and down, not really caring how many of you are going to show up, one or two or four or none. I mean, that's what we need to get to horizontally 
through sharing with at least on an average two or more and we make enormous progress enormous progress in quality of life on the environment on on, on, on all the things i mean that's what i keep arguing but you know <laughs> well yeah. phoenix is a good place for it. that's that's where the suns used to play i think <laughs> when we when we had basketball we'll continue in just a moment but this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor the smart etfs smart transportation and technology etf symbol moto to get more info head to motoetf.com when you get to the website make sure to read the white paper titled the smart transportation revolution at motoetf.com. It's under the insights and news tab. Great information there that can help you make informed decisions. ETFs can be a smart way to spread risk with your investments and focus on a particular category. Alan, getting to some of the headlines in the latest Smart Driving Car newsletter. First off, Tesla had a big surprise for Wall Street. With all this going on, a first quarter profit and uh, shares have been skyrocketing once again. You know, it wasn't a surprise because of course, you know, sort of everybody knew it last night. And did I buy? No, I mean, once again, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm so bad at predicting the future. Thank goodness in some sense, but yeah. Um, even though, you know, much of it is probably due to things that happened before everything sort of went to heck in a handbasket and so on. But uh, it is, I mean, you have to say it is somewhat impressive, especially as one looks at the other uh, car companies uh, that are reporting. Um, maybe it's because of the way that the Tesla does business, and, you know, whatever. But uh, my goodness. Um, you have to take your hat off. Uh, Dan, what do you think? Uh, well, you know, as I said, I'm a policy wonk. So I want to <laughs> point out that a big part of that profit uh, of the, you know, what allowed them to be profitable is they sold a large number of credits to other car companies. And the revenue it played a big role in that. And, you know, that I want to make the observation that that was not taxpayer money subsidizing them. This was the other car companies that had to buy credits from them because they're not selling enough zero emission cars. They're not selling enough uh, energy efficient gasoline cars. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of one of those policies that we, as we look at the sharing and the pooling is creating those kinds of mechanisms to, you know, all those people that might be reticent about sharing, you know, everyone has a price as I like to say. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, we can use these policies to encourage people, I mean, whether to use electric vehicles or, or the pooling and sharing and eventually the, uh, you know, the so-called robo-taxis. Yeah, but, but uh, to collect that, the, those, uh, those credits, they've had to sell cars and they've yeah. had to put them out there and they have. And in some sense, in terms of the accomplishment of actually delivering to customers who have largely bought these without government subsidy otherwise, you know, because I guess much of that has expired, that people are actually wanting to buy these things. So, I mean, that the marketplace, they figured out a mechanism to get the marketplace to work here. And it seems as if at least all the Tesla owners that I tend to know, they're pretty happy campers, aren't they? I mean, uh, talk to me here. I am one of them, but I will point out that I actually had a hydrogen car uh, <laughs> and, uh, and now, now I have a Tesla. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, a bike, and my favorite zero emission vehicle is my bike. But, but you know, Tesla, but the, what you say about Tesla is, is, is so extraordinary what they've done. Um, you know, the entry barrier to the auto industry is huge. And then if you come up with a completely new product, it's almost unbelievable to be successful. And I just noticed Tesla Model 3 is the number two selling product in Europe. All cars, all light duty vehicles, number two. And in China, and in China they're doing very well too. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, these are these are impressive numbers. You can't, you yeah. can't, you know, there. And to do the manufacturing in Fremont, California, where the labor cost is what infinite or just infinite minus epsilon? I don't, you know, I mean, <laughs> Dan, as as an owner, what do you think of their uh, plan to? have a pay-as-you-go subscription for the self-driving package. Well, you know, that seems a little, well, the idea that you can just loan it to others, I don't know. I mean, you buy a Tesla, that's a pretty fancy, expensive car, and to let other people use it, I'm, I don't know how many people are going to be willing to do it, but they are talking about it in terms of upgrading the autopilot capabilities, you know, the automation capabilities, as part of that, you know, that it can actually be used for, you know, a robo taxi service. I don't know. Uh, oh, is it, is I, it I, not? I, I was under the impression that it was like, okay, I don't have to put up the whole $7,000 for the package today that it's, I could subscribe and pay a monthly kind of thing. Is that not what they're talking about? I think that's one of the things that they're talking about, but that's what everybody tries to do. Uh, I mean, look, look at what made made uh, Microsoft stock go up so much is because <laughs> instead of you buying buying Office once, you get to pay for it every month. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I mean, you know, you trade off the the one one uh, revenue uh, hit to something that continues for. Oh my. I mean, so, I mean, I, I think it's just a pricing mechanism on their part. The issue with respect to, you know, taking your, your Tesla vehicle and it really is good enough to do uh, the driverless piece by itself after you've been owning it, you've been maintaining it. I've said since day one, that is not uh, commercially viable. We are too irresponsible as individuals uh, to be trusted and and uh, to do that. And we don't need many people to just not be doing that well to completely screw it up. And I think one of the other things that, that I have in the Smart Driving Cars newsletter, Audi's decided to, to take what they call level three uh, out of the, um, the uh, A8. I mean, it, once again, I don't think anyone is going to sell a product to a customer saying it's yours, you maintain it. But when you use it in a certain way, then then we think we're letting you do it without any responsibility. I mean, you know, a level three implies that, that the manufacturer has guaranteed that this thing isn't going to do bad things while you use it. Oh my goodness! It's you. It's been in your possession. You've had it, and now you're going to ask me to guarantee that that in fact this is going to work. They'd be dragged into so many litigations that they can't hire enough lawyers, and so that that's not a viable uh, business proposition by them. That's been my view on level three. Just not viable. Uh, so let me try out it. You're the guru, Alan, of the automated <laughs> drive cart. Maybe. Let me, yeah. let me tell you my, my experience, and I think it's, yeah. it's going to prevail. And that is that when you – the adaptive cruise control, I love it. And I use it for long-distance driving. It eases uh, stress. <laughs> but, you know, going from that to the, you know, the autopilot, let's say the Tesla autopilot, you know, which is the steer basically adding the steering to it, automated steering. It does doesn't add that much value to me um, because I still want to be alert. You know, I'm. I'm You've like, got to be. You don't only want to. Wanna, you have to. Okay. <laughs> have to be. You alert. must. Uh, there's no. You know, irrespective of what Elon tells you, you must uh, go ahead. Okay. So I think. So I think the adaptive cruise control it, it brings so much value and. You know, and as you've always argued, the uh, emergency braking, you know, perfect that. And you've got the, pa you know, much of the package. For, for the vehicle that I own, that I have, absolutely. The ability, you know, you think you're going to give me the ability to hop in the back seat and do whatever I want in the back seat while this thing goes down the road. Yeah. And you're going to be... <laughs> that, that one's not going to happen. Not in something that, that I've maintained. Now, if it's something you've maintained 
or the or the fleet is maintained and and made sure and is providing the oversight and is doing then of course i think we're going to have elevators without elevator attendance we're going to have driverless vehicles without attendance yeah but it's going to be it's going to be a responsible entity who sits there and makes sure that that is it's not a not that we're not you're not irresponsible as a consumer but but you know we we, we take shortcuts are we uh, you know not going to change the oil I, uh, <laughs> well everybody else obviously in the industry is noticing what tesla's doing you have in the newsletter the uh, that story about the leaked internal communications from vw uh, it shows them admitting how big of a lead Tesla has when it's with software and the autopilot. I guess it's, it's no surprise. Here. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, look, the, the over-the-air updating for them to get that to work, the data that they've been collecting on those cars in terms of the performance where they know, and I've been wanting them to release the data to me. I'd do it for free to figure out. They know where the unsafe places are on the roadways. They know where their system doesn't work. They know they, they have experience on driver behavior in, in the gazillions. They know what makes these things crash, what makes them avoid pedestrians. What It's all in the data, that ability that, I mean, I don't know, Dan, if you ever dreamt of, of any being able to capture that, that, extensive of a cross-section of data about the, all this yeah. Yeah, but oh holy macro that is so valuable not only to them but to society they should be putting it out they should be helping states saying they knew where Wang was going to hit the end of the damn uh the damn jersey barrier why because the damn paint was no good there I mean, who who hit the barrier before? It was a it was a human driver? Why they do it? Because the paint wasn't good. They didn't know where in the heck the lane was. Probably, or at least that's what I'll say. And and they, they know this, and they should be sharing it. And it'd be nice if they did. I guess maybe they want to. I don't know that they've been asked. Uh, you know, there's a lot of societal value. Dan, jump in here. Uh, what are your thoughts on all this? You're an owner. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, I, I, of course, I love what, so the other thing I did is I took a year off. I got, after my lease ran out on the hydrogen car, I just was without a car for a year, you know, partly for professional experimentation, partly for personal. And I just found, I love being chauffeured. And so I, I'm really looking forward to these uh, automated shared cars because I, and I think there's going to be many of us that are going to embrace it uh, as soon as it becomes available. Look at what happens in an elevator. You need to go up to the 14th floor. You walk, you find where they are, you, you, you know, with some trivial whatever, some door opens, you get in, stays open, somebody else might get in. For, it takes you there, a door opens, you get out and you forget about it. I mean, Think of the mobility aspects. I mean, it's just like wonderful. You've gone from A to B with no hassle. And, um, the, I, people, and the people who pay rent on the 14th floor, you know where that rent went? To be able to get you there. And that's why it was free. Because if it wasn't free, you wouldn't have gone to the 14th. You know, all those things. Why isn't that horizontally? And to me, that's that's... That's the new transit. That is the true, mob that, that is the mobile. Places where there are a lot of congestion, they have put a lot of people in. But most of our trips of the 1.2 billion every day, you know, 90 some percent of them are this onesie twosies. Let, let, let me put in a small plug here. Sure. You, you bring back transit. And, and this is, goes back to that webinar we did a few days yep. ago, is that we need to, or the transit operators who are in, deep, deep trouble. They were already suffering and now they're, you know, on, on the verge of complete collapse and the funding for them, public funding as well as the fares is all shrinking. So I think the, the secret in the near to medium term, and that goes back to what you were asking earlier, Fred, is how do we bring together some of these mobility service companies, these, you know, TNCs, Lyft and Uber and Via, and integrate them better, or at least partner them better with our transit operators 
you know, the transit is providing, you know, providing service in a lot of these suburban areas where it's hugely expensive, be much cheaper and provide much better service if they were contract. You know, I think what really, the mechanism I see is for them to contract with the vias and lifts and Ubers to provide some of these services that, you know, it can be for low income riders. It can be people that need to get to health care. And I saw VIA just signed a contract, is signing a few contracts where they're transporting healthcare workers. Uh, and, and so I think there's a lot of opportunities like that, and it'll set the foundation for, you know, this longer vision that, you know, you and I, Alan, are, are yeah, uh, yeah. hoping for. Absolutely. And I think, I think it, I, I consider it as an interim step. And the reason why it's interim is because at the, at the fair levels that we have in Uber and Lyft today, it's, it's not a living wage for the people that are doing it. And it's not certainly not a union wage. And it's certainly not a union workforce sort of thing. And I suspect that what some transit companies are probably running into, I imagine New Jersey Transit is, is all of a sudden if you contract all these, then if you have to make them all part of the union, then of course, you know, it, it's not, the affordability just goes in the toilet, okay? And then in a sense, that's why you, you have to make them automated. Now, in, in, it doesn't mean that you ever unemploy a driver because you're always going to have the need of a driver in some places. And right now, there are really so few of them compared to the, the total mobility, you know, 4% of the trips being on transit nationwide. I mean, it's a niche market. And what, what the driverless thing is really doing is, is really increasing the mobility opportunities for those that have it and then penetrating the people that are using their own cars. It's not really taking anybody out of conventional transit. And so that's how, that's how the, to me, the whole thing evolves and becomes a sustainable aspect of our mobility system as opposed to something that it goes on too long it's going to end up you know it's tough to pay uber and lyft uh, union wages and union well, work rules as dan was saying uh, waymo's trying that they put out a blog post uh, this week uh, saying they're taking steps to support their local communities contribute to the covid19 response and it continues to drive the technology forward with simulation work. Uh, Waymo points out uh, one day of simulations gives it more than 100 years of experience. Alan, uh, you had some comments in the newsletter about that. And yeah, no, yeah, of course. Surprise, I mean, right? that's, that's one of the good things that happened prior to this is everybody got their simulation systems working. Why? They, because they knew that a lot of the things they can, they can do in simulation, they really don't have to be out there on the road doing it. And the places where you're doing it on the road and testing it should only be in the, in the corner cases and the places where you expect to be surprised so that you can learn and so on. You know, going around a track or something or going in, someplace where there's no no congestion i mean you know how to do that that's that that doesn't serve anybody's purpose uh so i think that that that's why i think that this this lull that we're in ha is not hurting the progression of continuing to improve the especially the software part of this thing because we're not quite there yet i think we are close one of the questions maybe i should take a second here that was asked that we didn't get to in ours was uh kornhauser you know what's your measure on on uh safety here that these things are as safe as as humans uh you know what what do you use as your metric what i say about that is I think it's very, very difficult for us to make the software as good as we are when we're paying attention and when we're alert. We are extraordinarily good when we're paying attention and we're not misbehaving and we're alert. Where we fall down is, is when we, you know, scratch our butts or look over here or have one too many of these guys or, you know, Essentially, take, this take that, uh, <laughs> run a red light, whatever, you know, misbehave or, you know, it's not that 
90 some percent of the of of crashes have human involvement it's 90 some percent of crashes have human misbehavior you know you were too tired you didn't get sleep you were to do the deed you know I have this excuse the dog ate my homework i you know whatever and, and so on um guess what software doesn't have dogs eating their homework i mean it has some of its own problems it doesn't you know it doesn't seem to get tired so so in fact even if it's not quite as good as us but doesn't have that falling off the table that we have that really i think is the source of the problems that we have all of a sudden maybe good maybe good enough for a company like waymo to take the risk the ranch is on the table we're going to put it out there deliver the value yes there'll be some hiccups but we're going to be profitable. People are going to have affordable mobility. Their quality of life is going to improve. We're going to all be happy campers. It's going to be win, 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 whatever. Maybe I'm too much of an optimist. I don't know. Dan, what do you think? <laughs> I, 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 I mean, in terms of the technology, I, I you know, uh, lean, lean to you to come up with the insights. But I think overall, exactly the, the way you assess is exactly right. And I want to take one other observation you made just before that and extend it just a bit. And that's about jobs. Because, you know, normally when we talk about automation, the first word, the first idea that comes to us is losing jobs, replacing jobs. That's not what's likely to happen in this particular case. That is case. not what's likely to happen. And I'll, I'll, I'll go after you go, go, because I want to hit on this one. Go, go. <laughs> Because what we're talking about here is taking the 95% of trips that are now uncompensated personal trips that we, you know, that we do. That we do. We do we're, slaves, you right, know. And we're converting them into a commercial activity. And so, yes, we'll lose some of these Uber and Lyft drivers and maybe some transit drivers we aren't gonna but, lose any of them they're only a one percent well, they're so small that we'll still need them okay go ahead i'm trying i'm yeah. trying to be uh yeah no i won't let you I'm, I, I, yeah look, no i'm look no, at alan smiling i mean no you're, i mean you're not really making just, this, this creates jobs right okay? so you got right so you're creating all these new companies all this new business business activity you know you got customer care people you got the accountants you got the managers It'll restaurants who did they unemploy yeah. <laughs> my wife no me i don't know whoever cooks at home yeah that's how much do they get paid well that's whatever exactly. and look at how many jobs we i, I mean it's the same talk to me here <laughs> well that's the exact analogy is that you know house you know house care cooking cleaning uh all those activities we automated or outsourced outsourced right and, but automated a lot of it too and automated a lot of it too but it created jobs and and this thing and this thing is going to create jobs and everybody who talks about it yeah some of the jobs may be cleaning the interior I mean it may not be all that much better than driving or whatever but it's it's all net more jobs this this ends up needing more people why because it's freeing us up it's it's unleashing us because we're the ones that have been doing this for free i mean how did how the auto industry ever convince us to do this for free okay oh yeah you're gonna love it oh well i guess they told us to misbehave that's why you know we love it i don't know talk the to me here the, the, the driving experience remember <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i just love to drive i mean you know yeah <laughs> fred yes well, I was going to say, in contrast with uh, Tesla, which we talked about earlier, yeah. Ford this week not only reported a loss of $2 billion, they also announced they'll delay plans to launch an autonomous vehicle service until 2022. Instead of 2021, uh, Ford and Lincoln have also canceled their planned Rivian-powered electric SUV. So you can see the direction of the Yeah, there's direction. I, I, I think, you know, uh, delaying Ford Argo to 2022, I'm happy that they haven't stopped it. At least they see that that is, remains to be 
a potential opportunity for for the for the company and 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 so I of course applaud them uh, announcing that there's going it's going to take a little bit longer uh, you know to me that that's not that's not a big deal in fact being more responsible in bringing it out properly and making sure that we don't have a complete screw up in doing it. We, we can't have another Lane Herzberg uh, situation, you know, that hurt so enormously to have that one. We've got to be more responsible to that. And I keep saying that the only reason we had the Lane Herzberg thing is because Uber, Uber's out there, you know, uh, loose cannon on the deck. They were out there trying to do stuff. I mean, how can you have a vehicle out there operating outside of its operational design domain, which is maximum 40 miles an hour, and not have automated emergency braking working when the damn system saw something that it shouldn't be hitting six seconds before it hit it? Cut it out. I mean, you fail. Yeah, I mean, it's not even a student project. Never mind. <laughs> Alan, my wife says uh, that, uh, that I owe you a big thank you. Your unrelated illness kept us from our plans to podcast from CES in January. Now there's reporting from the Mercury News and elsewhere that the coronavirus was circulating there and some attendees have tested positive for antibodies. Um, gosh. Yeah, whatever. You know, I we've sort of suggested that, you know, for a while. You you, you bring 200,000 people from around the world in one place. And, uh, you know, some of them are coming from a place that maybe you had this. I mean, uh, what the heck stopped it there? And if you start it there, you know, how that then, geez, those people then went all over the darn place. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, but anyway, that's who knows? I mean, whatever. Uh, what we really need is, is uh, we need a vaccine. Uh, we need a way to protect ourselves so that we can get back to, to normal. And hopefully they'll, they'll figure that one out or, you know, make everybody, or I don't know, give us a placebo that we think is a vaccine. I don't know how they wanted to handle us, how the, the Politburo from above wants to... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, on the calendar now, see see how optimistic we are. Is <laughs> is the Smart Driving Car Summit, and it's been moved to October twentieth through twenty second, and uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that. I don't think we're going to have a vaccine by then, but uh, well, I, well, geez, I, well, I don't know. I mean, uh, we almost have to, or something. I don't know. But no, we, I don't want to. I what do I know? I'm sitting here. You know, I, I can't get out of the house, so I know nothing. But, but uh, hopefully, um, hey, I, I do not want Princeton to become the Princeton University of Phoenix. And the thought that we would be offering classes online, to me, we should shut down. But of course, nobody listens to me. Uh, I just, it's just no way to do education. I was in a meeting, you know, earlier this week in which, you know, people wanted to discuss what's worked well and what's not worked well. And I went back and I asked the question, has anything worked well? Is there anything in the last six weeks that we're going to say, you know, this time next year, oh, my goodness, we want to do it just like we did it, you know, back uh, last year in this period. I, we've gotten along. We've made things work. We've done, you know, whatever. We've sucked it up. We've, we've argued this. We've argued that. But I don't – Dan, tell me one thing that's <sighs> – I'm, I'm <laughs> I just want one and then, you know, I'll extrapolate from that. What <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I, I was on sabbatical this year, so I didn't have to teach online, but I'm worried about having to teach online in the fall. I have a large class and it's it's no way to I don't think it's the way to look, we could we could have all educated ourselves by going in libraries, you know, since the library in Alexandria or something. Okay. Apparently that doesn't work well. We always thought that, Oh my goodness, once Coursera and whatever came out, Oh, we'll just go to the web and learn. I don't know. Really? Uh, I don't, it's, Come on. And of course, the good fortune that I had is I got sick in December. And when it came time to, you know, having to go lecture in, in February, I just wasn't up to it. So they let me cancel my class. 
I weaseled out. Sorry. Well, I couldn't. I mean, it you, you were not faking it, Alan. I, I wasn't sure faking it. No, I wasn't <laughs> faking it. But yeah, uh, whatever. Um, um, and and Dan, we're so happy that you've gotten over your little bump in the road, and uh, and you look great, and um, and uh, you know, life's good. As I say, you know, I'm living on house money right now. You know, I'm I'm playing on house money. So whatever. And speaking of that, Dan, really, really great uh, for you to be here with us. A, lo a lot of insight and we really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. I've always admired Alan. I love reading Alan's <laughs> newsletter every week. Thank you. So. Thank you. Uh, that's very nice of you to say. And, and Dan, really, you are, you are the, let's say, the godfather of the sharing economy. And, and the important piece of it and the important piece that you've always emphasized is the sharing of the ride. You know, it's we can share a car sequentially, but that really doesn't do us much good, except uh, you know, maybe not having a bite over time or something, whatever. But but it's 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 sharing the ride that is key because because th th that's really how how you address energy pollution, congestion, affordability, uh, and as long as and I thought you know at least at one point this is the way we be we become even better friends and. And you know, share socially. Uh, this is uh, running a little rough road right now, but I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that we can get back to it. We, I don't think we can live as human beings separated. I mean, that, that just, that just doesn't work. I don't think. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, also, thank you ahead. very much. Um, this, this yeah. has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, we also want to thank our sponsor, the Smart ETF, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO, and more information is available at MOTOETF.com. And also, make sure you check out the first of our new debate series. We were talking about it earlier at Zoom-Tank.com. And stay tuned for word on the next one. That should be good, Alan. Yeah, and also we have in the, in the Smart Driving Card newsletter that's coming out, we have all the links to Dan's uh, uh, Zoominar that he had uh, on, on Monday afternoon, uh, both uh, the replay of that, the, the slides, and so on. And, you know, that's, that's really very good information on on uh, the conventional transit industry and and how to how to get through this and and keep going and um, and um, and keep going. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. You can get your smart speaker to play us too, and you can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Stay safe, stay healthy, and thank you for listening. Thank you, and make sure you take care of all your loved ones and help them. That's the most important thing that you can do.